Well, once again, it's a blessing to be here with you today, a real privilege. I want to review with you where, uh, where we've been in this sermon series. This is the last message, okay? We're going to change gears next week. But so far, we've talked about when bad things happen to good people and they don't deserve it. We talked about when good things happen to bad people and they don't deserve it. And today, we're going in an entirely different direction. This today is when good people do bad things. When good people do bad things. So before we read our text, I want to think about some questions. This is one of those opportunities for me to listen to you, for you to speak, and for me to listen. What does a church have to believe in order to be a Christian church? Once again, I don't have a set of canned answers that I'm expecting you to come up with, but I do want to hear you say out loud, what does a church, what's the essentials? What does a church have to believe in order to be a Christian church? And the people answered the gospel. Very good. Okay, let's continue. What, what is the gospel? Jesus died for my sins. Very good. Birth, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, what else? Blood cleanses us from our sins. That's it. The incarnation. God made flesh. All right. Very good. Let me follow up with a second question. What does a person have to believe in order to be a Christian? What's the essentials? Not the stuff on the outside, but the essentials on the inside. What does a person have to believe in order to be a Christian? And that he's Lord, okay. That's it, okay. He's coming back again. Very good, all right. Anything else anyone would add? Born again. Repentance, okay. So, so I, I read this cool book once where this, this everyday common person was questioning a person of royalty. And the, the guy, the, the royal guy, the earl or duke or whoever he, was, he, wherever he was, whoever he was, he gave an answer, and the, the, the everyday guy said, no, you're wrong. And someone stopped him and says, no, no, you don't say it that way. You say, that's not the answer we were looking for. I'm so glad I didn't have to tell anyone this morning that's not the answer we were looking for. Good, solid answers. I appreciate that. So we're going to go now and read our text. I've got it on the screen for us here. I hope you'll open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 because we will be referring back to things and I can't conveniently back up the slides to, uh, uh, to what's on the screen right now. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1. Here's how it reads. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. 
By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Peter, then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, let us pause for a moment. Let us set aside everything that would distract us. The problems we had at home or at work this last week, those that we might anticipate next week, for this short season, may we be in the right place to hear what you would say to us through these scriptures. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Central beliefs Christianity. There's four, and it comes right from the passage we just read. Christ died for our sins, number one. That's called the doctrine of atonement. It means Jesus died to pay for the sins that we couldn't pay for. He, with his blood, purchased forgiveness for us. Second, he was buried. The church at Corinth had lots of questions about the resurrection. Some of them even doubted that there would be a resurrection. And Paul is establishing that Jesus was indeed dead. He died on the cross and he was buried. Then he was raised on the third day. The grave could not hold him captive. He conquered and he arose. And then number four, this is important, Many people witnessed it. It was for Paul and for all of the early church a historical fact, not simply something that they believed in, but something that they believed in and thought was actual history, even as we do today. Now, look carefully at this screen, okay? You got it in your heads? Good, because we're going to have a pop quiz now. Get out a piece of paper, put your name at the top, number one through four. No, I'm not going to ask you to actually write this out as you would have to back in class. 
But I want us to review these four things because they're essential. Christ died for our sins. That's number one. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. You guys are weak. Let's try that again. He was very good. He was raised on the third day, and many people witnessed it. Yeah, this was not just maybe the disciples and one or two others. 500, the implication is, the implication behind the, he was seen by 500, people at Corinth knew some of those 500 people. That's the application. It wasn't like they're out there somewhere. The implication is, yep, you know some of these 500 people. They've passed through Corinth, or you've met them personally. This is not just um, uh, something you have to take on the word of Paul. It is fact itself. Which brings us to the topic today. What happens when good people do bad things? One word answer. Consequences. When good people do bad things, there are always consequences. They may be immediate. They may be delayed. They may fall on you, or the consequences may fall on someone else, or both. I know as I speak to you this morning, there are many, if not all of us, who are in some sense victims of another person's bad choices. Their bad choices had consequences not just for them, but for us. <clears throat> no one does bad and escape the consequences. It may seem as though they do, and payback may not come to, until eternity, but it's unescapable. It's the law of the harvest. I, I, I treasure these words by Paul. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Bad choices, sin, always leads to consequences. So here's how it plays out. There are no good people. See, that's the, that's the fallacy in the title of my message, There Intentionally. Most of us think of ourselves as being good people. There are no good people. We only feel good when we compare ourselves to how bad we could have been or how bad someone else is. Well, at least I'm not like Brother Michael down here. I mean, you know, some kind of comparison is... <laughs> I know they're not talking about you, Pastor. I know they're not. We only feel good when we, we compare ourselves. But compared to the holiness of God, you fall short. There are 
No good people. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even, not even one. Ecclesiastes 7.20, there is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. Two friends of mine and I arranged to have lunch at uh, Chef Chow, is that how you pronounce the Asian restaurant? Yeah. And uh, we meet probably once every six weeks. Um, I used to serve with both of them. They're both uh, uh, ministers. And one of them gave us a prompt by text message before lunch, and it was this. In fact, I, I wrote it down exactly as he phrased it. He wanted to discuss it over lunch. Is it possible for a believer to go an entire day without sinning? I thought about it. My friends thought about it, and the conclusion I came up with was this, only if they are in a coma. There's no way to go through a day without sitting. So, so just imagine. Now, you know, there are churches, pastors, denominations that preach out of the, a holiness tradition that says you can go for a day without sitting. So imagine... You know, you, you get everything right, you get all ready, you plan a Saturday away from folks perhaps, and you, you pull it off, you don't sin at all, and you go to the next, go to church the next day, and you say, guess what, I went yesterday, oops, dinner pride right there, yeah, yeah. I don't think you can go even a single day. There are no good people. Here's what Paul had to say about goodness. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Have you ever had a habit that you just couldn't kick. You know, lying. Not just the everyday kind of, I hate to say everyday, and certainly it's not a white lie, but I mean lie, once you get stuck in a pattern of lying and you have to maintain whatever important thing you said that was a lie, you just have to keep lying in order to maintain that facade of truthfulness. Lust, pornography, alcohol or substance abuse. How about dieting, gaining, dieting, gaining, dieting, gaining. Something's wrong with that cycle. Paul, as he said in our passage, had a dark side. He persecuted the church. After the martyrdom of the first Christian, Stephen, the book of Acts tells us that Saul began to destroy the church. Going, this, Excuse me, Saul. His name was changed to Paul later, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. He asked for letters from the high priest so he could go to Damascus, and there in all of the synagogues, find any way or anyone that who was a believer so he could drag them back to Jerusalem in chains 
before trial in a very real sense. Paul was a jihadist for Judaism. And he never recovered from this shame. It became Paul's an essential part of his understanding of Christianity. That haunted him till the day he died. And it's not just in 1 Corinthians. Paul wrote to his protege in the ministry, even though I was once a blasphemer and persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy statement or saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. God showed him grace. By the grace of God, I am what I am. I was raised in a fine Christian home. I cannot remember a time when I didn't know that Jesus died for my sins. That kind of conversation was table talk at lunchtime around the Johnson household, and not just on Sundays. I, I honestly, I can't remember not knowing those facts. And when I was 15 years of age, that knowledge here sunk down to here, and as someone wisely said, Jesus became not just my Savior, but he became my Lord. And shortly after that, I was called to preach and, and started, started kingdom work. But some of my worst mistakes, my darkest sins, came after I put my trust in Jesus. Some of the worst things that I have done, they deeply shame me. And I, they don't involve you, so I'm not going to confess them to you. But I still live with the consequences. But there is and even though I still live with those consequences, I have freedom, I have forgiveness, and I have blessings. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And Paul let that grace have an effect. He said, I worked harder than all the other apostles, but even that work... God's grace at work in me. There is a 
Life Lessons. Are you a good person who's done bad things? Jesus died for your sins to pay the debt that you couldn't pay. Then he rose again, and in rising again, he promised us the hope of eternal life ourselves. And this living Christ offers grace to us, everyday grace that enables us, sinners such as we are, to be in a place like this and share our gifts and give of ourselves and and worship together in joy. His grace covers all of our sins. You think you're a bad person beyond God's grace? Well, have you been putting any Christians in jail lately, like Paul? Drag them in chains, breaking down their doors, seizing them, men and women, and arresting them? No one, no one is past beyond God's love. You're saved not by our good works, not by being a member of Union Grove Baptist Church. We're saved because Jesus died, buried, rose again, and it was witnessed by many people. That's how we find forgiveness. We are saved by grace, and we live our new lives. I said a while ago that I'm not going to tell you about my sins. Aren't you glad? Because if I did, I might ask you to. We might just go down the pews row by row and person by person, and it would be horrible. I don't want to go there. I want to live in grace. I want to come here before you, not a good person, but a saved person. So here's the big idea. Two thoughts. We are saved. By grace. We're forgiven of what we've done wrong, not because we decided to do, be a better person, not because we worked hard to, to atone for what we've done wrong, but we're saved by grace. And that same grace keeps enabling and empowering us to do good work. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, how gracious you are to send your perfect Son, Jesus Christ, to be born of a virgin, incarnate, Father, in human form, lived a perfect life, was crucified for what we've done wrong, buried and rose again. Father, thank you. I pray, Lord, that two things. Father, that those among us today who may never have trusted Jesus for forgiveness and never made him their Lord, their boss, would do that today. I pray all of us 
who have trusted you would be grateful and be empowered by that same grace that we would work hard and that your grace would continue to be effective. These prayers we offer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.